Are you ready to finally heal your body, mind, and spirit? Rejuvenate with Attuned to the Moon 24-7 Holistic Coaching, an online therapy program designed for you to self-heal and for you to self-love. Book your online coaching session with Attuned to the Moon Holistic Coaching at ATTM247.com. That's ATTM247.com. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. Sure, you've been wondering, well, I, I know you've been wondering, based on all the emails, Instagram, and TikTok messages, all those messages I appreciate more than you could ever imagine, messages wondering what's going on, am I okay? More importantly, is the podcast okay? When's the next episode dropping? And um, there's an old saying, you've probably heard it before, it originated out of Hollywood, it's the show must go on. And uh, I was in showbiz for 14 years prior to this podcast, and I can tell you that sometimes you have to put yourself before the show. I I learned that the hard way. Good news is now this show can go on. It's caller nineteen and their story about addiction. Addicts in the dark. Hey Nick, how are you? I'm I'm better. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm doing well. You've uh, reviewed the rule book? Yeah. Don't tell me your name, where you're from, what your MySpace handle is. No problem. All right. Tell me your story about addiction. Oh, well, it has, it's absolutely just been a, a, a wild, bumpy road for a long time. I'll, I'll start back. As as a child, I had a pretty, what I thought was a pretty normal upbringing. Um, I was pretty much raised by my mother and my older sister, who's 10 years my senior. My dad was long-haul truck driver and wasn't really around, and I didn't have a very good relationship, close relationship with him. And uh, it was all pretty normal until it was the summer of... 2005 I was 16 and uh, I I knew that my dad was cheating on my mother and uh, and I grew up in a small town I had like friends telling me that he seen my father around the the town with another woman and you can just feel it in our family and we've never I never saw my parents fight and my parents started fighting and more and more and my dad left and uh two weeks later my mom committed suicide and uh I found her and my mom was my best friend now I dabbled in I just I had some normal drinking well I guess it's not normal when you're 14 to 16 but normal drinking experiences 
you know, I never, I maybe had a blackout once, but I was never a blackout drinker. And I smoked a bit of weed. My father was a chronic weed smoker my whole life. And he was always around. And I, I knew what it was from a young age. I was told never to really talk about it because it was the 90s. Like, you weren't really supposed to be doing that. So, and I've always kind of felt like an outsider. And drinking definitely was a social lubricant for me. And, and it brought a bunch of people I wouldn't normally hang out with around. And, and it, it was like a social thing. But the day of my mother's funeral... I, at, at the end of the funeral, all my friends were there. All my friends. Every, all my friends called my mom, mom. She was that type of person. So all my friends were there, and uh, they, you know, decided, like, let's, let's just go. We're, you're not going to go to your dad's. You're not going to do anything. You're, you're going to come with us. And, uh, that was the first time that when I drank, it made me kind of forget about what was going on. And I wasn't doing it consciously. I was just, it just happened that way. And for the rest of that summer, I would, I would smoke weed. I would drink a lot. I was drinking every weekend. I was still attending school. I was doing really good in school because I, I, I kind of liked it. Um, we moved across the country, my father and I, and his mistress, um, who I, I knew. I grew up with her son, um, who's now my stepbrother. Uh, her son didn't live with us, but we, so we, we moved across the country. And, and it's funny that I need to go back again a little bit. The day that uh, I found my mom, as soon as the paramedics came, I like was in shock. Uh, I mean, I just finished trying to resuscitate her, and just it, I just didn't know what was going on. Well, I did, but I didn't. So I asked the paramedics if I could call my dad and take a shower. I just got home from work, and I was taking a shower, and I was going. I'm going to have to live with like that. Like, I cannot believe this. Like this, this can't be happening. I don't want to live with him. <laughs> I had, we're, we're not, we, we weren't on bad terms. It's just, we don't have the greatest relationship. So we, we moved across the country to just, I guess, run away from everything that was going on. You know, I, I, I tried talking to him a few times about what happened and he just would always just get upset with me and like tell me that it wasn't his fault even if I wasn't kind of pushing that on him or you know I, I just lost my mom and I tried going to therapy and I was rebelling against it I was I was a tough man and I was just a boy and I I definitely should have taken more help but I started smoking weed on a regular basis and drinking all the time. Like it was, it was an everyday, not an everyday, it was by far an every week thing, multiple times a week, skipping school. But I still managed to keep my grades up. And I, I, you know, got, got 
for the rest of high school, like pretty unscathed. Um, I, I graduated, and and then the, the following Christmas, um, I I got in contact with an old high school friend, and uh, she came over at Christmas, and we um we just started hanging out. And she ended up getting pregnant two months later. And I was, I was only 18. And I always, I never, I never wanted kids. And I really did not want this to happen. And she was adamant on having this child. Um, She finished high school while pregnant. And uh, we moved out together. we were just kids, man. Like, like it was really tough, and uh, I was just not a nice person. I wasn't nice to be around. I was an asshole. Um, so I, I would, I would never be home, and I would go drinking, like after work, on weekends, and I, I, I was like, I, I, I consciously knew that this was not a path, and that you could become an alcoholic. Um, my parents rarely drank. Like I saw my mom drunk one time on a cruise for a wedding and that was it. So I, I was like, well, like maybe I won't become an alcoholic. And I kind of convinced myself that I could stop at any time. So that, that went on for a very long time. It never affected my work. But we ended up having a second child. Again, I wasn't miserable all the time. Um, I was still working really hard. I was providing for the family. And by this time, you know, ecstasy was coming around. And I was, like, messing around with ecstasy a little bit. And ecstasy... We were doing it often for a couple of years, like very often, and I really liked it. It was, it was, it made me feel good, and um, I, I still, I still had goals. I, I was still achieving them. I was still working towards something in life. I was still providing for my family, like money wise, not emotionally. Um. And then cocaine came around. I r- really enjoyed it. I don't know how, like, <laughs> media or the movies portray it as you, like, getting hyped up and kind of big and think you're super... Like, I, I never got that from it. It brought me down a little bit. I could become hyper-focused on one thing, if that was a conversation or if that would be a video game or if that would be working on a vehicle or if that would be music, like it would concentrate me on that one thing. But if anything in the peripheral came into view, it would be foggy and I just didn't care. But all these feelings went away and alcohol and it came together so well for me. And I started finding it on my own but more regularly like every month I would pick up and no one 
my wife didn't really know that I was doing it. She knew I was drinking and she didn't like it, but it wasn't affecting my life again. I mean, well, to the point of affecting our way of life. I was still getting up early. I was still going to work. I was still doing the things I needed to do, but I was, I was picking up more and more often. And I had a friend, a really good friend who still is a good friend of mine that was selling it. And I would get really good deals on really good stuff. And I just couldn't say no to it. And it wasn't him pushing it. It was me practically begging him for it. And he always was like, man, I'll do it. But like, I know your family. I know it. This is not a good idea. And I'm like, just come on. Do you want to make your money or not? Like, I just want to do it, man. It, it almost turned into as often as I could get my hands on it type of deal. If I had a drop of liquor in me, I was getting cocaine. The alcohol became the lubricant to have the nerve to get it. Because when I was sober, I knew that it was, it was a bad idea. And I could kind of hold off on doing it. But as, as soon as I had one beer, I would get this feeling. This anxiety would come on. And be like, I have to have it. So I started messaging people who I knew would maybe be able to get it and start buying it off people I didn't know in a lot of random people and going to bars and finding it. And I'm, I'm doing this all behind my family's back. And the anxiety of that and the depression that came from, one, from doing it in the next day, I didn't want to go to bed. I knew what I did wrong. I didn't want to do it anymore. And we're like four years into this addiction. And, and I took an apprenticeship during this time. And I was still going to work every single day. But the addiction got worse and worse and worse. And my wife was working nights. And I would drink a two-six, like no problem. Or like a 12, 15 pack of beer, like no problem every night doing a little bit of blow. But I wasn't thinking about anyone else around me. I, I have started isolating without even knowing it. I stopped talking to my friends. I stopped calling anybody. My wife was so concerned. She could see it. She was starting to see it. My mental capacity was gone. I was losing the passion for things that I once enjoyed, my hobbies. I was not present-minded. My wife knew something was up, but she just didn't want it to be true, I think. My kids didn't really notice, but I wasn't spending a lot of time. And my habits finally started interfering with my work life and interfering with my schooling. A good work week for me was three days a week. I was covering enough to pay for my addiction, which was always fronted a week ahead. So I'm a week's worth in debt every week to my dealer. And I'm barely coming up with rent. Some days I'm late. I was lucky enough that my wife works also. So she was putting food on the table. And I was just telling her work is slow. 
there's not a lot of work or my anxiety was so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed, which we openly talked about was my anxiety and my depression, but she didn't know what the cause of it was. I mean, some of it is just stuff I deal with now still or from childhood stuff, but I ended up, we ended up getting pregnant again. And I, I knew something had to change. I really knew something had to change. And I was starting to get concerned for my own health. I was the fattest coke addict you have ever seen. I would I would go on benders and all I would do is drink. Drinking was just like part of it now. If I could I would just make a call, go get go get something to drink and then pick up. It, I didn't need that lubricant. It was just part of life now. And I'd go on benders and, and then when I came out of it I would just eat. And I've always kind of had an eating issue. I've always overeaten <laughs> I've always been a, a bigger boy, but I I blew way up in weight, and my body was hurting, and suicidal thoughts were constantly in my head. I didn't want to live anymore. I part part of me did. I wanted to live for my kids, and my new baby, but the other part of me was just like, "You're a piece of shit. You're you're never gonna get your shit together." You don't these these people don't deserve this. You need to take yourself out. And uh, Easter of last year, I I had a breakdown. Um, well, I was drinking. I was broke. I had missed a payment on my vehicle. I have not told my wife. Um, we got into an argument. So I packed my stuff and I went to go live in my truck. I'm barely going to work. I'm going to get fired. I have a crippling cocaine addiction. I was too scared to take myself out. But what I would do is drive around with my seatbelt off drinking and driving. Um, I would visualize hurting myself constantly. And at this time... My wife, she she would just keep on me like, "What is wrong with you? What we need to figure this out?" And I kept saying, "It's just anxiety and depression. It's just anxiety and depression." And she's like, "I know you've been drinking." And she's like, "Your friends are calling me and telling me you're showing up to their places, hammer drunk, and then just wanting to do drugs." She's like, "I just want you to be better," and like. She found out that I, I, I blew all of our savings. I had nothing at this point. The bank is looking for my truck. I've missed two months of payment. I don't know what to do anymore. Um, she said, "Well, yeah, I can get you a therapist." And I said, "I need more than than that. I need to go away." And she said, "Like to rehab?" And I said, "Yeah." She's like, when would you like to go? And I said, right now. She's like, like in two days? And I said, no, right this second. Right this second, someone needs to come get me. I didn't, at that point, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about what people were going to think. I didn't care about what families around us were going to think. And I, I did not care. At this point, 
I just knew that for my family, I had to get clean. So within 24 hours, I was in a van on my way to rehab. And rehab is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. I when when I went in there, all I had was just the willingness to to get better, and such a learning experience. Because my head's always on a swivel. I'm constantly analyzing. I'm constantly thinking, and that usually leads to obsession. And it can be anything. And for me, obsessions they start. Just in my thinking process, I will think about something I either want or want to build or want to do or want to see. And I will obsess about it and obsess about it and obsess and obsess and research and research and and dig into it. And, And that's all I think about all day. And then I realize that I haven't paid attention to anything around me. And that's not like me. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm constantly trying to pay until this obsession takes over. So I now have to, I have to really watch what I, what I'm thinking about. Living with this level of obsession, like you're talking about, you've got to have a machine head. You're it's, it's, it's fucking exhausting. exhausting. Right. Absolutely. So for me, I found that substance use at least makes me think that I'm mitigating some of that exhaustion. Yeah. When I first started using cocaine on a regular basis, my obsessions got way worse because they were usually hobby based. So I would spend hours and hours hyper-focused on these obsessions I already had. My addiction took my, my hobbies from me and the passion that I have towards things that I enjoy in life my children, my hobbies, music. It it, it hyper-focused these obsessions where I couldn't stop doing these things I enjoyed while using. It made the things I enjoyed so much better, well, I thought, until it crushed them. So what I'm hearing is you were using in a way to, to medicate to help yourself power through and do the things you wanted to do because you were so obsessed with doing them. Yeah. And with that level of obsession comes the need for perfection. And with such a high level of obsession, perfection becomes impossible. Absolutely. More so the way you described it was that perfection can be paralyzing. Absolutely. It can be. Okay, so that all just made sense to you. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> I take pride in my I, I, I take pride in my hard work. I take pride in what I do. So some things that I'm I'm practicing now, just being mindful. And being mindful helps with the obsession. It, it helps eliminate some of it. And I, I still like that little bit of manic, that little bit of obsession in me. Because I've done some really good stuff with it. And when I have my mindset on something, I always do it. And I do it well. So I don't want to eliminate it all the way. But I I practice being mindful. And for me, that's closing my eyes. 
counting my breath, which is a type of meditation, I guess, but focusing also on being aware of what I'm doing right now at this minute, not worried about what happened yesterday and not worried about what's going to happen after lunch, not worried about picking up milk after work or not worried about like how the kids are going to act when I get home or, or if I, or if I mess something up at home and the, the old lady's going to be a little, a little pissy with me. Like I don't have to worry about, I just worry about right now. And I like think about myself standing in the spot where I am on this planet. And I just, I do that a couple times a day if I have to, if I feel my anxiety's coming, my, my depression coming up and doing that also helps eliminate those obsessions, but still don't even feel fully, like, I know, I, I, I don't even really know what's going on still. Everything's still so fresh. Everything's just fresh. <laughs> it's just fresh. I just feel great again. All my energy back. I feel like I'm 18 again. It must feel so new when you consider, based on the timeline, your mom passing away and then your usage accelerating from that point on. Yeah. The reality is you've barely experienced adulthood sober up until recently yeah barely yeah if at all i don't think i've ever truly gone a whole week not having some sort of substance in my body and that time of your mom's passing also coincides with your now wife coming into your life and she had never experienced you sober by the sounds of it but it also sounds like without her, this conversation would be a lot different. I thank you for bringing that up. She has just like my friends, cause she is part of our group friends from high school. She is ride or die. She is one of the, the toughest chicks you will ever meet. She, well, I was way in rehab, man. She took care of, she took care of the three kids by herself. No, no real help. And she still called me every day. She came to visit me every weekend, an hour away. I, I, I question every day why she's with me and hasn't left. And she always tells me that she has seen the good in me. And our relationship has I had so much resentment against her for so long for keeping that my first kid. And I would never, if I had a time machine, I I wouldn't change a single thing about my life. I wouldn't. I would go through the addiction again. I would do it all over again. Because our relationship is the best it has ever been. Our communication is so good, and it's all because of her. She's done work too. She never left my side and she, and she knows how dedicated I am. And between her and my sponsor, I couldn't have done this. I absolutely could not have. They're always there for me and they talk and my sponsor's girlfriend and my wife talk. Like they all keep me in check big time. And I'm super focused on our next, on our goals that we have together as a family and we're achieving them little by little. We're achieving them. And that's more ground than I've, I've made up more ground than I've lost. So we're, we're doing well. 
There's definitely a personal familiarity with the struggles of each caller on this show. Perhaps not their addiction, but the circumstances that led them there. At the start of this episode, we spoke about my hiatus from showbiz and the need to take a break from the mic. Because no matter what the obsession, pills, booze, cocaine, or career, it'll eventually overstay its welcome. Perhaps we can take a deeper dive into that issue at another time, but I want to circle back to something this caller spoke about near the end of our episode. Finding his old self. We like to think there was a time when we were living our best life, that through hard work, perhaps we can return to those glory days. But is that truly growth? We look in the mirror one day and we don't recognize the person we've become. So we work to return to our old self. But now, things are different. What gave us a thrill once doesn't thrill us anymore. Our perspective has shifted. But that's not a bad thing. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. If you want to anonymously tell your story about addiction, find Addicts in the Dark on Instagram.